All right. Good morning, guys. Hey, I'm Stephen Dickinson, and um, I have the honor and privilege of sharing God's word with you this morning. Let's start with a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for today. Uh, The spring days are getting longer, but that's just a reminder that you're bringing more light to your world. Not only does that light dispel darkness, but it gives life. You're the only one who can do this, God. And for that, we are thankful. God, we, we know that you are great and that you are good. And, and we want you to know how much we love you this morning. As we have gathered this morning to, to celebrate the, the good news that you have given the world, remind us that it is our, our purpose, our responsibility to offer that good gospel news to others. Not only in words, but also in the deeds of our love and mercy peace and justice. God, we pray for those individuals on our hearts and our minds that that need you to step into their situation right now. Those that are hurting or lost or confused of purpose or they're lonely or depressed or they're physically ill. God, we just ask that you intervene in such a way that your presence and your peace is felt right now. God, we give you thanks for your church and the people that make it up. We thank you for Faith Baptist Church here in town and, and the fact that we get to labor beside them to bring the good news and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. God, we pray for their leadership and their congregation as they fulfill their calling that you have on their life. And we ask that you be with us, God, during this season of birth and growth. Give us hearts of great joy and courage to serve you as you would be served. Show us what the next steps are. And we'll just follow. God, we don't even need details because you have proven that you can be trusted. What we really need most, God, is just more faith. A big dose of holy boldness. Empower us to do things we never thought possible. Help us to be the people of the resurrection. And now, God, just hear us collectively. As we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily prayer and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we're wrapping up our series that we've been in, this series called A New Reality. I hope we have been able to share with you some of the biblical principles and insights that you can use for your everyday life. I mean, that's really what we want to do every time we get up here, Um, that as we worship an almighty God, that we would also be able to express his word in a way that makes sense to you today. Uh, Because we believe that scripture is God-inspired. It's useful for, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that we may all be thoroughly equipped so that we can do every good work that God has already planned for us to do. And so it's important that, that we stay in the word and that we study the word and we understand God's word. And as we wrap this up, um, let me just remind you where we've been so that I can take you to where we need to go today. Uh, because where we have been in this um, little short book of Colossians has actually been pretty profound, some of the things that the Apostle Paul has been teaching us. So we've seen over the last five weeks, uh, specifically in chapters like one through three, God has taught us through Paul the importance of our relationship with, with him, with God, this, this vertical relationship, right? 
us and God. And so we, we've got to get that one right first if we're going to get any other relationship right in our life. Our relationships with God sets the standard for all other relationships. I mean, Jesus died for us. He sacrificed himself for us. He paid the ultimate price to repair this relationship with God. That teaches us how all of our other relationships should go. And so this, this vertical relationship between us and God, it informs our horizontal relationships with one another. So the Apostle Paul then kind of took a hard turn uh, in chapter 3 where he moves from our relationship with God to our relationship with, with one another. And in particular, he speaks about the family dynamics and relationships. And when he does this, we realize that there must be inside the family a mutual voluntary submission or this willingness to serve one another that's going to hold the family together. There's got to be this selfless giving of love and honor and respect. Otherwise, it's not going to stand up to what the world's going to throw at it. And, and we learn that this relational principle, by looking at God, who loves us so much that he allowed his son to, to come and die for us, right? And then by looking at Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself um, nothing by taking on the form of a servant. And so as we, as we learn from God's nature and Jesus' life, um, how we should be dealing with one another, first and foremost in the family, because the family establishes how the larger community is going to work. And then Paul takes another turn. And, and he starts talking about our relationship with, with other people um, outside the family context. And once again, uh, he says that mutual voluntary submission or this willingness to serve is required. You cannot have a functioning community if everybody is looking out for themselves, right? I mean, if, if we're all beating each other up, trying to get our share or get our own stuff or get our, get our piece of the puzzle, get our slice, you know, whatever we think the world owes us, if we're all fighting for that, we will never function the way God designed it. There's got to be a mutual, meaning we're all in this together, voluntary, meaning you're not forced to do it, submission to one another. We've got to serve one another if this thing we call the human race is going to work. And then the Apostle Paul begins to wrap things up. Like this is his summary statement at the, at the end of the book of Colossians. And, and how, if we do this, this is how we're going to accomplish everything that he's talked about so far. And so uh, chapter 4, beginning with verse 2, because we talked about verse 1 should have been in chapter 3. So chapter 4, beginning with verse 2, says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It is easy to read across a sentence like that and just keep on moving. Let's spend a little time right here. Devote yourselves to prayer. He didn't say devote yourself to going to church. He didn't say devote yourself to tithing. Devote yourself to your root group. Devote yourself to volunteering. He didn't say that. He said devote yourself to prayer. Because he knows that that's what's going to transform the way you see everything else in your life. Through prayer, you're going to learn how to be more like Christ. Who took on the role of a servant. 
And when, when we are watchful and we are thankful as it relates to our prayer life, we will be transformed. Being watchful during prayer time carries this idea of, of standing guard or, or staying awake at night and making sure the location is safe like Jesus did with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but there were times in my life when I fell asleep praying. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I know they would all go up. I think. I don't know. But I used to tell myself, you know, that was okay because, I mean, at least I was praying, right? My heart was in the right spot. I don't know if I believe that anymore. Um, If I can't stay awake for Jesus, whose name I'm praying in, then I need to reconsider something. I need to work on something in my life. If I'm so tired that my intimate conversation with God is cut short, all that means is that I've waited to the end of the day to commune with my Lord and Savior, and now I'm running on fumes. I'm giving God the leftovers. Prayer demands ongoing attention, just like a guard at a city gate. In practical terms, this means prayer is not supposed to be uh, something that's careless or, or, or a casual act. I mean, it doesn't have to be all that formal, but it does need to be intentional. We should pray with specific purpose and with deliberate intent. So he says, be, be watchful. Then he says, be thankful. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So when we give thanks or praise, all of our circumstances are are transformed, right? That's just what prayer does. I'll say more about that in just a minute. Uh, But the major benefit of prayer is that it changes us and it it aligns us with with God's will, which is it leads to just a greater understanding of who God is and what he wants out of our life, a greater sense of gratitude from us for God as well. I'll talk more about that in a minute. So verse 3, we're going to keep going just a little bit. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Do you know what he's asking right here? Paul's saying, listen, you you need to pray for your pastors. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, pray for me. And in essence, he's saying, you've got to pray for for your pastor. Pray for Jamie. Pray for Jared. Pray for me. That God would open the door of our message. And pray that our words would be be clear and our message about Christ would be received by those who need Jesus. We cannot fulfill our ministry roles without the power of the Holy Spirit going before us and preparing hearts and minds to receive his mercy and his grace. We want to help new people find new life in Christ. And the more people we have praying for us, the better. That's essentially what Paul is saying right there. Verse 5, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Do you know why we need to pray about this particular thing right here? Because we're not good at it. Paul knows this. Generally speaking, the church isn't good at how it acts towards outsiders. Even though every church in America would describe themselves as being a very welcoming and loving church, all the research indicates otherwise. I mean, we like to think of ourselves 
in a very positive light. But the public has a different opinion. And we've given them plenty of reasons to have this negative opinion. Deep down, somewhere in the recesses of our minds, we would rather them get cleaned up before they come in here. You know, they don't dress like us. They don't talk like us. They don't act like us. They have different values. They listen to different kinds of music. Listen, but Jesus died for them just like he died for you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. God gives us opportunities every single day to reach new people for the cause of Christ. But if we're not praying and if we're not watchful, then we're going to miss those opportunities because we will be blinded by our own wants, needs, and desires. We've got to be wise in the way that we act towards outsiders and make the most of every encounter that we have with them. And then verse 6, Paul says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What he's saying here is that, that God wants to change the world through you. And I realize that it is an overwhelming statement or thought, but it's true. And in order for us to know how to do that, we're going to have to stay close to God. And the way we do that is by devoting ourselves to God in prayer. That's how we're going to get to know the mind and the heart of God. And through that, we'll discover what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Our conversations will be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And we'll have the right answer at the right time for those who have questions. When we connect more deeply vertically with this relationship, we will connect more effectively with this horizontal relationship. The veil that used to separate God from the people, it was destroyed. It came down with Jesus, right? And now you can personally approach the throne of grace with confidence and pray to God Almighty. And you may be thinking, well, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but how do I do that? I mean, what, what is the right way? Is there a correct formula? No, no, just, just pray. Just start praying. Well, do I need to do it like 10 minutes a day or, or four times a day? Or do I need to face Jerusalem? No. No, you don't. Just, just pray. Just start the conversation. Get comfortable communing with God. That's all he wants. He just wants some time with you. And if prayer hasn't been an important part of your faith, or maybe it was at one time years ago, but now it's not anymore, you've gotten out of the habit or out of the routine, I'm going to give you a suggestion that's going to help ease you back into a prayer life or maybe start one for the first time. And there's a lot of little tricks out there, little templates, little acronyms that you can use to guide your prayers or trigger your thoughts. But I'm going to give you something that's really simple, okay? Now, listen, if you're a prayer warrior, I mean, if prayer is your gift, forgive me for the simplicity of what I'm about to say. But we all have to start somewhere, right? So um, we're just going to take the word pray and talk about it a little bit. Talk about the letters in pray. So let's start with the first one, P. Um, we need to be praising. Every prayer should start with praise simply because God deserves it. God has done so much for us. And we have so much to be thankful for. God created everything that is good and that is right and that is beautiful. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's put you here in this wonderful country where you have peace and security. He's given you friends and family and a community of faith, right? 
We can walk in freedom because of our relationship with Jesus. And so when you start your prayers, you start with praise because it resets your mind. Because when you, when you start with praise, it's, it's not an easy transition. If you're praising God in your prayers, it's not an easy transition to then go to whining and complaining. Because you're praising. So it kind of resets your mind in that way. Second letter is R. Repent. So we just established that God is incredibly awesome. Which really should serve as a reminder that we are not. Right? So I don't have to tell you what we need to repent from or how, why we even need to repent. You already know. Right? The, the, these are the things in our lives. These, uh, and it's different for everybody. Those, those things that are unique to you um, that's not in line with what God has called you to do or who God's called you to be. So, and you know what those are because you have a conscience because God gave you one. There, there are things that we do and we shouldn't and there are things that we don't do but we should. And we have to acknowledge and confess those to God. We've got to ask for forgiveness. So repentance is not this litany of apologies to God. Like, I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for that. It is just simply humbly going to God, recognizing what we did and going, you know what? I'm not going to do it again because that's not of God. I'm going to try to align myself with God's word and his will. That's repent. And then A, ask. So, so you've, you've praised God. You've repented now you can ask. Now you can ask. Some folks start by asking. And I get that. Um, and I think it's because we really don't have a clear understanding of who God is. And, and listen, some of us are even guilty of raising our children to pray like this. I, and I try to reflect back, and I, I, my memory's not that good. But I, I think this is the way I was raised. And, and because of that, I probably started off raising my kids like this. That, that, so when, when you're young and, and you, you have young kids and you get them ready for bed and you have that bedtime prayer, right? And it often sounds something like this. God, you know, we, we just ask you to be with grandma and grandpa and we, you know, keep them healthy and we pray for Aunt B and Uncle Jay and uh, the, my, my friends at school and we just ask that you keep them safe and we pray for our, my goldfish and my dog Fred and then help me to get another dog because Fred's lonely. Amen. And as parents, listen, man, there's nothing sweeter than hearing your kids pray to God. And we are so excited about that. We're not correcting anything. We're not teaching anything. We're like, man, they're praying. This is awesome. But a decade later of that formed some pretty bad habits. Because we didn't teach them how to pray. Asking has got to be put into the proper perspective through praise and repentance. James 4, 3 says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask for the, with the wrong motives, right? And those wrong motives are so that you can spend what you get on your, ple your own pleasure. And so spending time in prayer, praising God, acknowledging that we're not God, it changes the desires of our heart, and that helps us get in line with the will of God, and then that changes the things that we're asking for, which leads to the last letter, which is why, yield. So sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says, um, not right now, right? Just be patient. You, you need to yield. 
And I would almost rather hear a yes or a no so that it's clear and I know where I stand and I can move on with my own plans. But God's goal is so much bigger, right? It's bigger than your prayers. His goal is to take us where we need to be. So we're, we're going someplace emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, maybe even physically, you know, not where we think we want to go, where God knows we need to be going. God doesn't care about what we wish we had. I mean, he does a little bit, but honestly, not much. He's, he's got plans for you, and he wants to get you there. He's trying to take you there. He took this guy who was trying his best to destroy the gospel message. His name was Paul. He wrote this letter, Colossians, right? And he turned him into the guy who would help the world understand the gospel message. Yield means a couple of things. One, it means like yield a crop, right? A product. But it also means to give way to an argument, to yield to someone else's demands. And God is arguing that he has better plans for your life than you do. Paul yielded himself to what God wanted him to do, to where God wanted him to go. And when we yield to God, we experience an unexpected blessing. And you may be looking at my life from the outside looking in and think, well, that's easy for you to say because you, you're doing exactly what you want to do. Listen, this was not my plan for my life. And you can talk to a lot of pastors and they'll say, yeah, I knew from a very early age I wanted to be a preacher. Not this guy. My plan was kind of mirrored the American dream, right? It, it was to be a successful business entrepreneur that was independently wealthy, so I didn't have to go to work. I could sleep late if I wanted to and travel and vacation if I wanted to. I could live where I wanted to, drive what I wanted to, and I didn't have to answer to anybody. But as we learned last week, the Apostle Paul told us, everybody has a master. And I love working and serving mine. Working for and serving for my master. God had a better plan for my life. So devote yourselves to prayer. That is the key to Christian living. Let me repeat that so you don't forget it. Prayer is the key to Christian living. That's what's going to help us accomplish everything that Paul has talked about in his letter so far. Maybe you've gotten out of the habit. Maybe you were never in the habit. But listen, it is never too late to start spending time with God in prayer. We can all make the decision right here, right now, today, to rededicate our time, our attention, and our life to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for working in our life. We thank you for being available to us 24-7. But God, we get distracted. And so forgive us for replacing the time we could have spent with you with, with so many trivial things. Sometimes we're guilty, God, of even thinking we can work our way into a right relationship with you. And so we do a whole lot of good things. And that's not terribly bad, but you would rather just spend time with us so that our heart can be transformed and we can know where you want us to go, where you're taking us. God, we know that if we did that, our faith would rise up and we would just be an unstoppable force for the kingdom of God. So God, put a deep desire in our heart right now to just spend time with you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Guys, we've got one more song.
Um, we'll stand and, and sing. And if you want to come down and spend some time in prayer, me and Jamie Jarrett will be up here. Or maybe you just want to hang out by the altar here and spend some time in prayer. Maybe you want to stand right where you are and just sing out to a, a holy God. But we'll, we'll sing, we'll praise God, and then we'll celebrate our confirmands right after that. So let's be standing as we sing this last song.